0: It is Sunday morning and again I'm not with you because today I'm actually in Pensacola, Florida. I'm at the beach and I'm having fun. I'll just be honest with you, it's very beautiful out here. But I'm shooting this here Sunday morning, just a few minutes before the service and I wanted to get this video over to you to welcome you to church today. and um, and to let you know that I believe today God has something incredible in store for all of you guys. Uh, I I had the opportunity to review Preston's message uh, that he prepared a few days ago and was looking through it and it really spoke to my heart in several ways. And it was interesting because yesterday I drove from Columbus, Ohio, where my son, Devin, had participated in a national fine arts competition. And I drove all the way from Columbus down here to Florida. It was a 14-hour drive. It was a long day. But about halfway through the drive, I um, I was directed by my GPS to take an exit. And I really wasn't paying much attention, so I just took the exit. And after I got off the exit, I realized I was not where I was supposed to be. It was going to just take me off to the side of the road and then right back onto the highway. And I was kind of frustrated, and I mumbled and I grumbled, and so I I had lost a whole 45 seconds or one minute out of my journey. And so I got back onto the highway, and as soon as I got back onto the highway, oh, maybe a mile down just in front of me, just not far in front of me at all, a a pickup truck and a big tanker trailer had crashed into one another. and It was a horrible accident. And my heart sank at that moment, realizing that if I had not taken the detour, I could have been involved in that accident. And honestly, I just really believe that was the hand of God. That was God's protection on myself, my wife, and Devin and Ian who are with me and and I stopped for a moment just to pray and say thank you God for the detour. Today's message is going to be fantastic and and really this little story that I shared with you is has everything to do with today's message. So open your hearts and expect something wonderful from God. I will be back with you the next Sunday. Next Sunday I'm starting a brand new series. It's about the strife and the tough things of life, about when it feels like God's not coming through for you and everything just seems to be upside down. We're gonna talk about things such as chronic pain. We're gonna be talking about things like uh, adversity that just doesn't seem to turn around And during this series, we'll talk about suicide. We're going to talk about the tough things, the the things that we just don't seem to have answers for. So be sure and be here next Sunday and bring a friend, invite someone as I start this brand new series next week. And may God bless you. May God keep you. May his face and light and grace shine on you. Have an amazing day in church today. God bless every one of you.
1: All right. Good morning, friends. Are you well? Are you alive? Good. Well, you look good? And that sounds just like Dad. I give him my outline, and he can't help but preach it. He is a preacher, man. Well, we're going to have a good time today, and um, I have a message on my heart, and uh, I feel like it's something God's really been dealing with me through. And uh, why don't you turn and uh, give, give someone next to you a little nudge and say, it's going to be good today. Because you're sitting next to me. Tell them. <laughs> We're going to have a good time today. And I want to entitle this message, Keep Calm and Move On. Keep calm and move on. If you're taking notes, write that down. Keep calm and move on. And there are times in life where I reach a point where I haven't seen the progress that I expected to. And I've been working hard and I put a lot of time into something. And it can be a frustrating place. And if you've ever, looked at where your life is now and compared it to where you expected you should be, and there's a gap in there, that can be a frustrating place. And uh, I believe that God's going to uh, speak to somebody today and give someone a holy confidence to walk out of here. And um, And I'm excited about it. Will you, will you pray with me? Yes? All right, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together as your church, as a community, God. I pray that somebody in here who is, frustrated with the complexity of life, will leave today full of peace. I pray that somebody in here who's um, frustrated and uh, unsure of which direction to go will leave with a fresh dose of who they are in Jesus. We ask that you would show up and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Everybody said? Has anybody ever felt like cussing? Don't you lie in church! And if you're visiting with us today, welcome to City Life Center. We're glad to have you. But, okay, feeling like cussing and cussing are very different things, such as feeling like eating cake for breakfast and eating a cake for breakfast, right? And there is one thing on this earth that leads me to the point of frustration beyond anything else I can imagine. There is this one thing that leads me so close, closer to anything, in this world, to losing my faith, you know what that is? Traffic and directions. Uh, let me relate with you. Has anybody anybody ever remember MapQuest? Okay, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. See, MapQuest is of the devil, and I'm not talking the torchy's taco devil. I'm talking the devil Lucifer from Hail devil. And uh, see, the thing about MapQuest is, before you leave on your route, you have to go and you print off. Um, your directions, and you get step-by-step step directions. Then you go on your route, right, and you're driving. And if by chance you happen to run into construction or a detour, you might as well go home because MapQuest has no alternative route. It has no rerouting feature. You see, if you are going to take a left on Carey, but you accidentally take a left on Barry. MapQuest does not reroute. You see, then you find yourself in Oklahoma on some horror movie-looking farm looking for a place to use the restroom that's not totally safe. True story. MapQuest is of the devil. And uh, many of you understand, hey, MapQuest, no big deal, because we got GPS. Anybody use GPS? GPS is fantastic-ish, because here's the thing. GPS will give you the direction to where you're going. But one thing that frustrates me is when the GPS says tells me, make a U-turn or rerouting. For some reason, maybe I'm not like you, but that makes me so frustrated because somehow I feel like the GPS is now like talking down to me. Like I'm somehow now it's subordinate of this little iPhone up there. And I want to Illustrate with you because a lot of times I use GPS as little as possible because it makes me very frustrated. This quick video on the frustrations of GPS.
2: It doesn't matter where you're coming from or where you're headed to, we could all use a little help on the highways and byways of life. Well, well, look at all that traffic. I told you not to get on this freeway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sorry.
2: Well, don't apologize to me. Apologize to yourself.
0: <laughs> what?
2: Take a right here. Okay. Better make that a left. Uh. Ultimately, it's up to you to decide. Where would you like to go today, my young friend? I, I'm kind of hungry. Where would you like to eat? Sandwich place. Sure, that's what you want. Church's chicken is up on the right. How many years have you been driving?
0: Fifteen years.
2: Looks like you chose the wrong path.
0: I'm doing everything you're telling me I'm supposed to do and understand.
2: Kind of a metaphor for your life, really. That's true. This looks like a nice place to live. You can afford it. You deserve it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I deserve it, but (laughs) deserving and affording, that's not the same thing, you know. Get yourself a crowbar and take back what's rightfully yours. where you want to go now, dummy.
0: I was kind of thing, going to the club. You
2: mean back home for some crying? Sitting in your boxer shorts, playing Call of Duty, eating Cheetos, falling asleep with your fingers stained orange.
0: Get all wrong. i Cool Ranch Doritos guy, so...
2: Right about now, you're probably wondering, how am I going to get out of here? Well, I'll just leave that up to you.
1: <laughs> it's like a, It's like a dead
0: end.
2: I can't make all the decisions for you. Don't give in to some other man's idea of time. No. Don't let someone else assign a number to where you need to be. Yeah, that's right, yeah. High five, my brother. Oh, oh, I don't really know how that's going to work. Tap the screen. Okay. Get busy living and
1: get busy driving. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Welcome to my life. See, now, the thing with GPS is we don't need it to go places we've already been before, right? Because we're familiar with the route. See, we need GPS, when we're trying to get someplace we haven't been before. And uh, Jake, he he can relate with my frustrations with GPS because he's actually ridden with me before. If you want to know, ask Jake. And he introduced me to this new app called Waze. Anyone ever heard of Waze? See, GPS is so advanced now that it can even tell you ahead of time where there's going to be traffic. It, can e- it will even reroute you to the best route based on the time of day, and it'll even let you know of road hazards or if there's a speed trap ahead. Not that any of you speed or anything, because we're all Christians, right? GPS is amazing, but what's frustrating is rerouting, having to turn around, because the GPS has a perspective higher than our own. In the same way, the Holy Spirit God's personal spokesperson, your GPS will at times reroute your course to where it seems like you're going backwards. Sometimes God will reroute our course for our benefit. So let me ask you this. Then why is it that when God says reroute, we start rethinking our faith? Now, here's why this is so important because human nature is, when we run into an issue, a problem, psychologists conclude that human nature is to freeze up, we stop. When, we, when plans change, we just throw in the towel. We go on home and just think maybe it wasn't meant to be. But statistics show that 90% of first-time business owners, I don't know if you know, actually fail. But did you also know that 90% of second-time business owners succeed? But the crazy thing about it is 80% of the first-timers never try again a second time. And here's why this is so important in your business and in your relationships. And in those, when you come to that moment, when you're in that place of tensity and waiting and unsure of what direction to go, feeling like you're going all around, what you do in those moments will define what side of the statistic you will land on. And I want to encourage someone today, maybe you're here and you feel like uh, where you want to be and where you are just seems too far away. Maybe you feel like you're kind of stagnant. Maybe you feel like you've gone back in life or you're just, or maybe you feel like going back because where you're going is a little bit too hard. But I want to encourage you today to let you know that Jesus, he does love you right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. And I believe what I'm going to share and find in scripture, scripture will give us a holy confidence on knowing what to do when we face these moments. Turn with me to Exodus 13, Exodus 13, 17. And last week we talked about I am and how important it is to know who God is in order to find who we are. And now the story continues, and at this point, and uh, Pharaoh had let, was about to leave, let the people go and, in the scripture, and, and Moses, who was a uh, highly insecure, uh, but yet bold person, was the one God had chose to deliver his people out of Egypt. And okay, so we find Moses here in in, in in Egypt. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, Okay, we, we can go ahead and let the people go. But th- keep in mind that they have been there doing in slavery for over 400 years, over 400 years. And what happens in this scripture, I want to highlight because most of us know the story of when they get released and they go to the Red Sea, right? Most of us grew up. But The thing is, what's not very familiar is what happens in between leaving Egypt and the Red Sea. We know all about the victory at the Red Sea, but we forget about the process it took to to get there. See, the thing is, as Christians, sometimes we can highlight so much the victories that we end up ostracizing and discouraging people who don't realize there was a process to get there. Now, we're going to take a look at this process. Go with me. Exodus 13. 17. Exodus 13, 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. You see, God knows his people. God also knows us. So much so not to put us into a position that we're not ready for. So God, 18, led the people around, underline around, if, if you're taking notes, underline around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for Battle. So these Hebrews come marching out of Egypt, ready to go to town. Keep in mind, they've been in slavery for four, over 400 years, doing the same thing day after, the, after day. Let me illustrate. Imagine if you were forced to listen to the same, uh, a Daughtry song for 40 years on repeat, and then someone tells you, there's other music. Uh, it, you'd be like a seven-month pregnant woman in a room full of red velvet cupcakes. You'd be ready to go to town. Amen. These Israelites were ready to go and fight. They were ready to go and fight. And then God says, okay, hold on. I'm going to lead you around because I know something that you don't know. Instead of taking them on the fastest road through the desert, God leads them around. Can you imagine how frustrating it might have been? for the people just finally getting free and having to go around, taking a detour, a reroute, so to speak. Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And we're going to look at today different ways God leads us. Number one, God leads us around in holding patterns. God leads us, everyone say it with me, around in holding patterns. So does anybody, let me ask you a question. Does anybody... Does anybody fly very often? Uh, does anybody fly at least once a year or so? Okay, anybody fly regularly? Okay, I know a lot of people in here do. See, see flying, those of you who do often, will teach you a thing or two about waiting, okay? <laughs> um, and which is to say, I may or may not struggle a little bit with waiting. And uh, flying will teach you a thing or two. And there's something in aviation called holding patterns. I checked with a guy who's a pilot here to make sure this is the right terminology, holding patterns. See, sometimes when you can be flying, right, you can be over your destination, and yet you, you can't land because the pilot is saying we have to go around, fly around, because the conditions are not safe for landing, or there's the landing strip is not clear. And you can even look out your window and see your destination. And it looks clear to you, but the pilot says, we got to go around one more time. So you can imagine someone uh, who can get frustrated with waiting and uh, all of a sudden the pilot says we're going to have to go around one more time after this many hours of flying. And then my ADD starts kicking in and now I, the, the flight attendant says you're going to have to take your earbuds out and you're going to have to turn off your phone. So now I can't have my earbuds in and the lady, Guatemalan lady next to me keeps asking me what my ethnicity is. No, I'm serious. She keeps asking me what my ethnicity is. And I'm like, ah, slightly, I have some German, uh, Hispanic, and, and a, a little bit of Native American. And she, she goes, she goes, ah, ah. She just asked me a question. Ah, I, uh, I, I think I see a little bit more Jewish Italian. Ah, uh, ah. Now, I can tell by your nose shape and your demeanor, Yeah, you're definitely Jewish Italian. You should look into that. What? You just asked me what my ethnicity is, then you're telling me I'm what? What are you insinuating that my parents lied to me all these years, telling me to look into it, right? And then the flight, then the pilot goes, uh, uh, conditions are still are not safe for landing, and oh, uh, we're gonna have to circle around one more time. And I'm like, Jesus! If this lady asks me what my ethnicity is one more time, I'm gonna. I'm like, why can't we just land? We're already there. And in the same way, sometimes God takes us around in holding patterns, even when we're at our destination and it's right in front of us. Sometimes God takes us around in holding patterns. So when we're waiting on God, it can be frustrating because it seems like, you relate with me, God's taking his sweet little time to make progress. But when in reality, the conditions just may not be safe for landing. See, maybe when you're up there circling around, it's not because God has you up there because he's mean and angry, but rather because he's kind and protecting. See, God doesn't have you Waiting. See, imagine this. Sometimes I believe that God doesn't let somebody return your phone call because you would ruin the relationship if you got it. So He says we got to go around one more time. See, sometimes God doesn't let a seemingly perfect business deal work out because His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and He knows that they have intentions that you don't know about to take advantage of you and wreck you financially. So He says we're going to go around one more time. His ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes He takes us around one more time. And we can get mad. We can get mad at pilots for taking so long and going around. It adds another hour to our trip because we have a a schedule, you know, and we're sitting next to a weird Guatemalan woman, you know. But what the pilot is really doing is saving your life in the same way someone who's maybe angry or frustrated with God today because he's taking you around, just because your dream, your flight has been delayed, does not mean it has been denied. Just because you can't sense him doesn't mean he's abandoned you. See, how could a God who knows every mistake you'll ever make before you made it and chose to die for you anyway, abandon you? He's just taking you around one more time. Turn to somebody and tell him he's just taking you around one more time. He's just taking you around one more time. Number two, God leads us back through Hubs. Everybody say, back. Back. Everybody say, back. God leads us back through hubs. And uh, in Exodus, we jump up to 14. And after circling around in the deserts, we find these Hebrews finally back on track. Tension is rising. They're a little frustrated, but yet optimistic. A little hungry, but holding on to hope. And uh, they feel like they're finally making a little bit of progress. Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back, underline that in your Bible, turn back and encamp near Pi town between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Sephon. So you can imagine in this moment Moses is like, okay, God, so you're telling us after we just walked around in circles all this time that you're, you're telling me that I'm supposed to go tell the people that we're supposed to go back? What am I supposed to say? All right, Israel, all right, Israelites. I know we just came out of circling a long time, and, and I know we're almost out of food, and I know the Levites are getting a little grumpy, and uh, the uh, the tribe of Judah, their stomachs are looking kind of inverted, but uh, I know we're almost there, but uh, God's saying that we're going to have to go back and encamp near the sea and trap ourselves, okay? God wills it. Ah, so that's what you want me to tell the Israelites, God? God says... Yeah. Verse 3. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this god leads us sometimes back through hubs many years ago the first time i ever booked my own flight and without my parents quite a ways to get back we were at a, i was at a conference with a group of friends in colorado okay and i was living in kansas city i was at a conference in colorado and when it was time for us to fly back, um, the, the, during this specific time, this day, there had just been an attempted shoe bomber thing. Do you, does anybody remember when that, all that was going on? And, and uh, so the flight, our flight got delayed, and we, got in, we had to take another flight in order to get home when we were supposed to. And the next flight available, instead of going from Denver straight to Kansas City, we had to go, the flight was from Denver down to a hub in Houston, and back up to Kansas City. Looking at that, it doesn't make much sense, right? Because it feels like you're going backwards. In life, God uses a hub system to transport you to where you're supposed to go. Sometimes we have to go from DFW to Atlanta in order to get to Chicago, right? It doesn't make much sense but that's the way he works. Yes, sometimes you have to go back in order to move forward. God doesn't take you back in order to maximize profits or annoy you, but at times to build into you what you will need to prepare you for what he has already prepared for you. Sometimes God takes us back in order to move us forward. And growing up, I thought, uh, I thought for a while that I was going to be a professional drummer and play for big bands and be a studio drummer. And I spent years and years fo- focusing and working on this craft. And uh, and, uh, and I was playing for a big band and, and a really big church. And then all of a sudden, we ended up having to move locations as a family. I was maybe 16 or so years old. And, uh, and so the only place available to play was uh, this little junior high group, and so I started playing for them just to get it in, and it just so happens, that's where I met Jordan, the guy who's leading worship up here. Did you know that he used to have hair like Jesus? He used to have long Jesus hair. You should look it up. Okay, that's neither here nor there. So that's where, that's where I met Jordan, and we were playing for this junior high, and I, you know, I was playing with uh, the high school team, and and, uh, and and it was great for a while, but all of a sudden, about a year later, I just lost passion for it. Um, I just didn't. I just didn't feel it anymore, and it was a frustrating place because I had invested so much time and resources and uh, planned my whole life around this craft. But little did I know, a couple of years later, we'd be planning this church, and uh, there would be an open place for a worship leader. And had I not been back there playing drums having to go down to that point to play drums I would have never have met Jordan who the guy who is leading us here today see sometimes God takes us back in order to move us forward doesn't make much sense at the time but his his thoughts are higher than our thoughts the last thing I want to say uh, last point I have for you Sometimes God takes us back in order to move us forward. And, uh, and it, can be, you know, it can be a frustrating place. And before I close this point, somebody who feels like you're going back and you've lost time and, uh, and it feels like everybody else is moving forward when you're still back, I just want to let you know that we serve a God who is the author of time and space. He can take uh, 40 years of lost space and make it up in four minutes. Do you guys believe me? Amen. Are you with me? Yes, yes. Number three, which is also the title of the message, is keep calm and move on. It's to keep calm and move on. So we're going to get back into the scripture one more time, and I want to reveal something to you that God revealed to me, which really opened my eyes. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. There's 14, verse 10. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in Desert, Which is to say, when opposition presents itself, or things don't go according to plan, the enemy will take that opening to imply and romanticize how good things used to be, right? When in reality, how things used to be was actually slavery. Now, we see the Israelites, and they're losing faith, but imagine... A huge army, the most devastating army in the world of this time of chariots and a dust cloud is arising. They're charging after them with women and children. You can imagine the shrieking of sheer terror, people rioting and and, and being forced into the sea. You can imagine at this moment, even after all God had done for them, their frustration. Yeah, and they did lose faith. But before you judge somebody know that we lose faith over so much less and we see Moses in this next scripture he he's trying to give him a little pep talk he's trying to be a good little leader and he goes up in verse 13 he's Moses answered the people do not do not be afraid stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today The Egyptians, you see, you will never see again. And Moses is probably, in reality, like, God, please back me up on this. And then Moses says boldly, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? But it's also wrong. See, when you realize God's going to say something. I don't know if you read your Bible very much. He says something a little bit different. See, yeah, I see this. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be, be still. I see this up on plaques in locker rooms. I see it up laminated in classrooms. I've heard it taught in devotions just to be still and let the Lord fight for you. And I've, you know, you can see it a lot of times on emotional people's Facebook statuses. Uh, the Lord will fight for you. Just be still, Jesus, you know. But it's also, but God says something just a little bit different. Yeah. Here's, here's what he says. Here's what he says. Glorify for you, you only need be still. And, uh, and God says, why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying out to me? Read it with me, what he says next. Tell the Israelites to move on. Say it with me. Move on. Which is to say, you can be on the right track of God's plan for your life. But if you're still, you're still going to get run over. See, we serve a God who loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there. Would you stand with me? I want to imagine, why don't you just imagine with me the the greater influence Imagine what would happen in our community and if our church, in our church if we lived with that type of faith. Where in the face of adversity, our initial reaction was to keep calm, fear not, and to move on in boldness. Can you imagine the greater influence God would continue to give this church as we become as we continue to become known as the community that doesn't just talk about Jesus on Sundays, but lives like Jesus on Mondays. The type of community that, in the face of adversity, is known as the ones that we know. City life is going to be the church that keeps moving forward in the face of any adversity. Close with this story. I, I uh, a couple years ago, I spent uh, the holidays in Manhattan, New York. It was a blast, and one of my bucket list things was to was to see the ball drop in Times Square. So. New Year's Eve, I get out there at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, and and I'm out there with thousands of people. In fact, I, the number was there was almost two million people out there, fighting my way toward the front of the stage because I was going to get my picture. I was going to get and get in there and see that ball drop and get as close to the stage as possible. Because if I'm waiting out here for 12 hours, it better be good. So I'm shoving people a little bit. I'm trying to get my way in there. And finally, when we do the final countdown. Seven six five four three two one bam, and I take and I take a snapshot and I post it up on, on Instagram, and, and I'm like, "Happy New Year from Times Square," and I was just so excited I was able to mark off uh, seeing the ball drop on my uh, on my my goals, my life bucket list, and it was an incredible experience. But what happened was a couple minutes later, a friend of mine commented on my post saying, "Really, man? <laughs> that hasn't even happened yet. I'm watching here on TV." And uh, you're trying to act like you're seeing the ball drop. <laughs> Get real, man. Something along the lines of that. And I'm like, what's this guy's problem, you know? What's this guy's problem? It hasn't happened yet. So I didn't think much about it. So I go on the subway, and uh, I'm just having a great time meeting all kinds of people. As I'm going back up into my building, it hits me. You know, he's right. It hasn't happened yet for him because he's in a different time zone than I am. <laughs> man, you are still in last year. I'm a whole hour ahead of you. <laughs> How's that working, man? So I, I didn't say anything mean, just deleted his comment so he wouldn't feel embarrassed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I am in tomorrow. I already know what happens. And we serve a God, church, who defines time and space itself. A God who sent his son Jesus, who predicted his own death and resurrection and we're still talking about him today to over 2,000 years later and I would say because of that Jesus knows a thing or two about what happens tomorrow so if you're here today and you're anxious about tomorrow, so many things barraging your thoughts, so many, your emotions are all over the place, you're unsure, and and your life could go in any direction after reroute, after reroute, after reroute. We serve a God who is already in our tomorrow. He's already gone ahead of you to your tomorrow. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. For he knows the plans he has for you tomorrow. Do you believe it, church? We're gonna sing this song together. and Jordan's gonna lead us. And if you would, just lift your hands in a sign.